This is True Crime Psychology and Personality, where we discuss the pathology behind some of the most horrific crimes and those who committed them from a scientifically informed perspective. I'm Dr. Todd Grande. I have a PhD in Counselor Education and Supervision, and I'm a licensed professional counselor of mental health. Dr. Todd Grande, that's my YouTube channel. Today's question is, can I analyze the case of Suzanne Morphew? First, I'll look at the background of this case. I'll move to the timeline of the alleged crime and then offer my analysis. It's important to mention here that at the time making this video, this case is ongoing. Charges have been filed, but no one has been convicted. Starting with the background. Suzanne and Barry Morphew were married in 1994. The couple had two daughters and lived in a $1.5 million mansion in Salida, Colorado. Suzanne ran a nonprofit. Barry owned a landscaping business. He also worked as a volunteer firefighter part-time. On May 10, 2020, just before Suzanne's 49th birthday, she went missing. A neighbor reported to the police that Suzanne had gone for a bike ride and never returned. It's not clear if Suzanne actually ever went for that bike ride. The authorities and others started searching for Suzanne. Around the same time, her husband Barry was in Denver staying in a hotel. Denver is about 140 miles away from the couple's residence in Salida. On May 12, as the search was going on, the manager of a nearby store said that Barry knocked on the window and handed her a note. Barry claimed it was a description of Suzanne, and he asked that manager to keep an eye out for her. The note read, Baby Blue Bike Helmet, Biker's Clothing. There was nothing else on the note, no phone number, no physical description. It was the least helpful note to identify somebody that could possibly be generated. Two days later, Barry announced that he thought somebody had kidnapped his wife. He offered a $100,000 reward. This was combined with another $100,000 from a friend to make a total reward of $200,000. No one came forward to collect the reward. On May 15, the police discovered a personal item belonging to Suzanne. It is believed to be her bicycle helmet. On May 17, Barry posted a video to Facebook where he was asking for Suzanne's return, telling her, we love you, we miss you, your girls need you. He said there would be no questions asked. He would do whatever it would take to get her back. The police would search the couple's home on May 19. They were seen carrying items from that scene in evidence bags. Three days later, they would search another property about 12 miles away. This was a place where Barry had done some landscaping work. On June 10, investigators searched the Morphy residence a second time, again seizing evidence from the property. On August 11, Barry talked about Suzanne's disappearance for the first time in three months, saying, people don't know the truth, they're going to think what they're going to think. He then repeated his theory that she had been attacked by an animal or killed by somebody she knew. By the end of August, Suzanne's brother would accuse Barry of being involved in Suzanne's disappearance. Just a few days later, new information came out. One of Barry's employees said that when he entered the hotel room Barry used in Denver the day Suzanne was reported missing, he smelled chlorine. He also said there were wet towels in the room. The pool in that hotel had been enclosed due to coronavirus restrictions. He also noticed that the bed had not been slept in and there were no tools in the room. 
He was there to complete a job, and Barry was supposed to have tools there for him. There were also reports that Barry's house had smelled of bleach, so either somebody was doing some serious cleaning there, or Barry had selected the unpopular bleach-scented air freshener. The slogan on the can reads, Get that crime scene smell without even serving a day in prison. Another employee who worked with Barry said that on May 9, 2020, which was the day before his wife was reported missing, Barry was acting weird, which I'm going to assume was out of character for him. On September 28, 2020, the police recovered evidence near Morphy's residence, but they didn't say what they found. Barry sold his house on March 4, 2021. He had listed it in the fall of 2020. He said that his daughters were frightened of living there because it's the place where their mother had been kidnapped. Barry was arrested and charged with first-degree murder on May 5, 2021. He was also charged with tampering with evidence and attempting to influence a public servant. On May 18, 2021, two additional charges were filed, tampering with a deceased human body and possession of a dangerous weapon. I'm not sure it's going to matter too much given the severity of these charges, but he was also charged in connection with voter fraud, one felony and one misdemeanor. He submitted his wife's mail-in ballot voting for Trump, so he cast that ballot on her behalf, even though she was missing at the time. He said he did it because he wanted Trump to win, Suzanne was going to vote for Trump anyway, and he felt the other guy was cheating. I suppose he was referring to Joe Biden. Now moving to my analysis. So the first question to consider in this case is what happened to Suzanne Morphy. Did somebody attack her? Did she run off on her own? Did she get injured on a bike ride and then die in a rural area? Clearly, the police and the prosecutors believe that Barry Morphy killed Suzanne, which of course means that they must have some evidence that she is no longer alive. I'm going to run under the assumption that Suzanne Morphy is dead. The next question would be, who killed her. Again, the prosecutors have a theory. They say that Barry Morphew did it. They're not really talking about how he did it, why he did it, what evidence is available. We really don't know anything about the alleged crime. Some reports indicate that the couple had a good relationship. Many people were surprised that Barry was accused of murder. Reportedly, Barry had a terrible temper and the couple was having some financial problems. A friend reported that Suzanne sent a text right before her disappearance indicating she was scared, although it's not immediately clear what she was scared of. So what could have happened in a case like this? What's my theory based on the little evidence that's been released? Well, all I have is a theory. For all I know, Barry could be innocent, even though, of course, the prosecutors and the police, as I mentioned, are pretty sure he's guilty. Here's my theory. Barry and Suzanne entered into some type of argument, perhaps based on financial stressors. Barry's temper got the best of him, and in the heat of the moment, he killed her. Of course, it also could have been premeditated. Again, there's not much information. Perhaps he used what the police described as a short rifle. He was charged with possessing that weapon. Barry was frightened by the circumstances that he created. He went to work on May 9, 2020, hoping to start preparing an alibi and not wanting to cancel a planned event because that would only increase the amount of suspicion on him. The advantage he had in terms of hiding the murder was that nobody at that point knew Suzanne was dead. His fear and desperation kind of came through, and this is why the co-worker described him as weird. At some point, 
perhaps on the evening of May 9, he disposes of Suzanne's body, uses bleach in the process to destroy any evidence like DNA or blood. The police said that there were no coolers in the house, which they found to be unusual, especially considering the fact that Barry worked outside a lot in the heat. Perhaps Barry used the coolers to transport Suzanne's body. There were reports of machinery running late at night at one of the job sites where Barry had been working. Perhaps this is where he disposed of her body, or it could be that he was using a cement mixer at that job site to prepare concrete, which he could use to encase Suzanne's body at some other location. He starts to put together this idea that he could be working on this job in Denver, and he tries to make it look like Suzanne went missing when he was out of town on that job. The stress of everything is too much. He forgets to leave the tools for his employees to complete the job. He can't quite get the timeline to work out because he was at his residence at a time when he should not have been. Barry had trouble reading other people's emotions. He didn't know how other people felt about Suzanne's disappearance. So he uploads a video to Facebook where he seems insincere, mechanical, and disconnected. He keeps the video very short because he's having a difficult time faking the emotions. He desperately tries to appear authentic, but ends up attracting more suspicion with that video. He releases all these photographs of himself and Suzanne. He even released love letters that she wrote him. Barry starts coming up with all these helpful theories about what happened to Suzanne, like he was trying to help the police, not realizing that by introducing these theories so early in the investigation, he was only making himself look guilty. How did he know what happened to Suzanne? How could he be so sure? He talks about how an animal could have attacked her on her bicycle. Perhaps she was kidnapped. Maybe she was in an accident on the road. When no one is buying these alternative theories of her disappearance, Barry goes on the offensive. He accuses the police of screwing up the investigation and trying to blame him to cover up their failure. Barry Morphew tries to paint himself as the victim. After this, of course, he was arrested, so we'll have to see what happens in this case and see what new information may come out. Again, all this is just a theory. If one adopts Barry's type of thinking, who knows what type of theories that one could come up with. Perhaps Suzanne was riding her bicycle on the road and a group of wolves approached her. They forced her off of her bicycle, sold her bicycle, and buried her body where no one could find it. They were like mafia wolves or something. They were very focused on not getting caught. These wolves were also successful financially from selling all those bicycles. They had no need for the $200,000 no questions asked reward. What lessons can be learned in this case? Suzanne Morphew had survived cancer twice, once in 1994 and once in 2013. In her love letters to Barry, she talked about how supportive and loving he was. The couple certainly posed for a number of photographs together. At least in that moment, they seemed happy. If Barry is guilty, as the prosecution has asserted, then clearly something changed in that relationship. From an outside perspective, the change seems rapid. One day Suzanne was around, and another day she wasn't. In 2020, Barry was free. In 2021, he was arrested and held without bond. But the changes that may have led to whatever happened likely occurred over the course of many years. 
a slow deterioration of the relationship which ultimately resulted in tragedy. This has been True Crime Psychology and Personality from Ars Longa Media. This content is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Ars Longa Vita Brevis. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. You're listening to Stop the Killing podcast. Join us as we take you behind the crime scene tape to explain global mass shootings and mass attacks. I'm Sarah Ferris, but more importantly, this is Catherine Schweit, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. I spent five years as the FBI's top executive looking for answers to the mass shooting crisis. I've been at the shooting scenes. I've traced heroic acts of bravery and I've sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors. Amongst this horror, there is hope. We all hold the key to stop the killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify, and all the usual suspects.